Hello, welcome to a podcast where we talk about things. I am person. This is co-host. And this is third co-host. Anyhow, today we're talking about Eve 6 and the record Horrorscope. 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 I did not notice that until now. I thought it was just horoscope. So hilariously... When I was doing research on this band, it did autocorrect a suggestion as horoscope, because apparently a lot of people just think that. That makes sense, especially because this uh, word is nowhere on the record. Yeah. They say horoscope at some point, but they don't say horoscope. More than a few of the tracks on this make it sound like it's going to be very goth-tinged, and it's not. No. Uh, anyhow, to remind you what we do, this is... Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop-punk and emo-pop retrospective, and we're going throughout everything that Rate Your Music tagged as either pop-punk or emo-pop between 1999 and 2013, and reviewing record by record. I specify that this is... we're not talking about pop-punk records, we're talking about records that Rate Your Music tags as pop-punk. There's a difference. Because this ain't it, Chief. Yeah, this one's... This one's a thing. This one is full 90s sort of like uh, adult alternative rock. We will mention it later. This dude's toured with Everclear. And that should tell you everything you need to know about what kind of music these people make. Various tracks on this album had me doing the whole thing that is kind of my shtick of this sounds like if you neutered Orgy or what if Stone Temple Pilots but too much. Even I was doing a lot of, like, huh, this seems like it might want to be this other thing. I wish I was listening to that other thing. These guys are, like, just barely a step above Puddle of Mud. I like Puddle of Mud more than this. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure I can listen to it later. Name me one Eve 6 song that is on the level of blurry. I know Puddle of Mud from uh, She Hates Me, which is a terrible song. Yeah, I would not call She Hates Me a good puddle of mud song. What what do we do usually at the beginning of this thing? We ju- just talk about things? Uh, we try to find any kind of history on the band, but it turns out Eve 6 doesn't really have a history, which is great given that they were named after a generic set of clones who were not identified by anything other than a number. With the name Eve 6, I was hoping that the band might have some number of lady folk in it. Oh, no, no, no. So disappointed. We've talked about this. There's not many lady folks in this genre. Mostly because they got shoved into Riot Girl. Yeah. Yeah, well. When you gender an entire genre, it does tend to kind of make it a ghetto. Anyhow, shall we talk about the history of Eve 6? It won't take long, why not? I'm not even gonna 
So the founding members of Eve 6 were Max Collins on bass and vocals, John Seibels, guitar and backing, Nick Myers on drums, and they all met in high school around 1995 in La Crescenta, California. Of course, this band has extreme California energy. And their original band was named Yaku, later called Eleventeen, because they were allergic to any good titles. By the beginning of 1996, an A&R executive of indie punk label Dr. Dream is at one of their shows, and he goes, You know what? I'm not doing anything else with my budget, and I'm not going to have a job in a year, so have a contract. Do not worry about Dr. Dream. There's not much to say about them. They will sign Eve 6, then Eve 6 will be not signed with them anymore, and a year after that, Mercury will buy them, and they will be not be a thing anymore. So, during this time, they start working on a record, and Steve Soto from The Adolescents produces, but Steve Soto from The Adolescents dies in the middle of the record, which slows everything down. In the middle of production, not in the middle of the literal recording, because that would be interesting. You're not wrong, and I was actually going to say that if you didn't. Around this time, Nick Myers will leave the band, and Tony Fangason, son of a Grammy Award-winning producer and current president of Blue Note Records Don Was, will come in and take over on drums. Surprisingly, just after the son of a record producer joined the band, they find their way onto a major. It's a little weird how that timing works out. Yeah... But yeah, after this happened, they start appearing on Radio Asylum, which is a syndicated radio show run by Dr. Dream, which eventually puts them in touch with a and r executive at RCA, which liked them and decide to sign them, hoping that they can turn them into something. This is when they change their name to what you're actually seeing on the episode title, because they watched the X-Files episode Eve and decide to name themselves Eve Six after the Six clone of the anonymous woman named Eve. I remember that episode. It's a good episode. I wouldn't name a band after it, especially not after, like, you know, cloning culture. I can think of more than a few things off of that episode that would be better than Eve Six. Yeah, well, what you gonna do? On the upside, they named themselves a number band before number bands were really a thing, so... Yeah, you gotta give them credit for accidentally getting ahead of the trend there. Mm Mm-hmm. One point in their favor. Also, Mulder's Blumpkin. Mulder's Blumpkin is a better name than uh, (laughs) Eve Six. Also gives you more punk cred. Anyhow, the deal that they make with RCA is technically a record deal, but effectively it's like a development deal. The band gets paid to keep going to high school they get like a monthly salary which must be nice god i wish that was me they are told to keep playing show and keep improving and keep sending records to the label and they get paid for it i am not going to bring up the thing i did in high school instead of get a job that kept me in money because it was illicit But speaking of getting away from high school, 
1998, reminder, three years into record deals for this group, they graduate high school and their latest round of demos impresses the executives at RC enough that they let them have a whole record to themselves. Eve 6 by Eve 6. It sucks. <laughs> it's worse than this oh, no. record. I've listened to it. It's really bad. It's very 90s. As mentioned, they were touring with Everclear at this point in time. That should tell you everything about the music that they were making. And yeah, not into it. You know what's great? Everclear will never be classified as pop punk. <laughs> Huzzah! Does pop punk even exist? Have we dreamed this all along? This is definitely an am I a butterfly dreaming I am a man or am I a man dreaming I am a butterfly shit when we go through genres on this show. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that record sucks. The rest of the United States of America doesn't. The first single from that record is absolutely a smash success, like one of the most successful songs we've covered on this podcast in terms of Billboard placement. I hate it so much. Inside Out tops at 28 on Billboard's Hot 100 and stays there for a long time. The second single, Leech, doesn't quite chart in any mainstream capacity, but the record is nevertheless a success. One viral, well, what was considered viral at the time, when, you know. Bacterial in the 90s. One bacterial hit is enough to skyrocket a record on the chart and they are put on the maps of mainstream popularity. Also, they go into 18 months of straight touring after releasing the records, because this is what you do in the 90s. You said that you hate Inside Out. Please share. I definitely remember that. When we were looking this up last time, I was going, who's Eve Six? I know that name. And then I got to hit singles, Inside Out, and that's why you heard me scream at the end of last session. Yep. Mood. I don't disagree. I hate that track. That track and one of the singles on this one are basically just... Okay, so in the 90s, the song of angst and growing up and everything that was everywhere was Green Day's Good Riddance. But I will at least say that Good Riddance seems to have some actual emotion in it. You can hear it in the voice. These guys are basically like if Lit was trying to do emo ballads for teens. Oh god, yeah, they are Lit without any of the interesting stuff that Lit did in that record. Honestly, there is a specific song, I don't, we'll get to it and I'll remember which one it is, that I was just like, oh, this is, sounds exactly like that one Lit song. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few notes like that, so yeah. After their touring, there's nothing much else interesting about them because they go straight up into recording their second record, Horrorscope. Horrorscope. Horrorscope? 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 Horrorscope. 
Horoscope. I'm going to Google my horoscope right now and just see what it is today. Ooh, me too. I'm curious now. But in the meantime, the band is older now. Like, we've gone almost another two years since they recorded their last one. And they've got a lot of money behind them because Inside Out was such a smash hit. So they get to branch out and get actual production staff and people you might care about. They're all grossed up. Don Gilmore, who that year is going to produce Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, a very good album. Yes. Gets to be their producer. And that's the last interesting thing we can say about this. Yeah, I'm not a Linkin Park fan, but like... There's a difference between me not liking, like, you know, SR71 and me not liking Linkin Park in that, like, I don't like Linkin Park. I think everyone involved in Linkin Park is extremely talented, including the producer who shows it in this record. I think the production on this record, Horoscope, Horoscope, is excellent. Uh, I think many other things on this record aren't excellent. Hey, my Horoscope is pretty good today. Sometimes the road you're traveling on gets shrouded in fog. If that happens, do not pull over and wait for the weather to clear. Keep going, for what is watching and waiting for you in that fog is deadlier than coming upon the moonlit path. And be sure your travels are not slow and steady, as the beast will follow you if it is. Nice. Huh. Mine was, like, spot-on accurate in a spooky way. Uh, in this case, the fog is the smoke, because I still live in California, so... I'm... yeah. The album release is preceded by the single Promise? Ugh. Sorry. No, that that sound is accurate. The song definitely plays on the aesthetic and upbeat attitude of like stuff like Blink that was popular at the time, despite the record not being that. Like, if you watch the video, it's like very like, we are so called people having fun. Yay, pop punk party. Yeah, we're totally Blink-like. What are you talking about, man? I guess if we're discussing this now... It's real weird how there's a lot of minority children in there, except the one white kid they show in the video suddenly has this overbearing Asian boss. Hmm. What? Did you not notice that? At first, it's like a black kid quitting their job, and they all have white bosses except for the white kid at the fast food restaurant who's just got this stern Asian woman before he hops a table and leaves. Huh. No, I... I'll be honest, I I didn't wa- I, I like I skimmed through the video. I was looking for literally anything because I hate Promise so much. Yeah, we'll talk about the song later. The, I I don't have any opinions on the video aside from it's very like we're like Blink, right? We're like fun, punk, pop, California, fun, party. It's a procession of children of various ethnicities quitting fast food jobs and storming out in the middle of the workday. Kind of like assholes. I'm not saying you can't quit your job. I just worked on doing that myself. But I also didn't throw my management... Walking out middle of the day screws over everyone. Yeah, I also didn't throw things at my manager's car while everyone was on the phone and make a scene. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, you do, do you throw things at your manager's car when no one's looking? Duh. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I haven't done that in the past, probably when I was a teenager. However, that place did close down due to health code violations, and they asked me to lie to the inspector, so I had a reason. Yeah, no, that's valid. But yeah, I'm talking about the video, like, this reminds me sort of like the SR71 thing, which is like, these bands are very much not pop-punk, 
but they are trying very hard to look like they are. For what it's worth, the three singles on this album are interesting just because they're the ones that sound very distinct from an incredibly generic style of almost every other track. There's four of them that I can remember anything about, and three are singles. I think Promise sounds like a lot of other cats on this record. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe I just remember it because I heard it play so much. That makes sense. The second single doesn't really get on a video or anything. It's on the roof again. It's a big graduation song or whatever. I don't know. I don't know this shit. I've never heard that one before today. Hate. Anyhow, the record debuts a number 33 on the hot billboard chart, and which is pretty good. It's like very high. Nothing to sneeze about, huh? The single don't really get any airplay or anything, and they don't really chart a lot, but that's a lot of sales, even without your singles carrying it. And by the way, while it doesn't pass the can we chart higher than Papa Roach test, which apparently were very popular at the time, shrug emoji. That's a pretty good test, actually. Yeah, they were like eight when this record released on Billboard, so that's really high. Wow, that's pretty good for preteens. Hmm. This record does pass the Can We Chart Higher Than Blink, than the Blink record that, you know, was released a year ago. So they they do better than the Mighty Mighty Bostons, at least. Wow. Sad trombone. Sad trombone. <laughs> and so, so, you know, even without what will happen with the third single, this record is a commercial success. Then the third single arrives, which sucks. It's here's to the night. Yeah. So the the third single is the really shitty ballad "Here's to the Night," and it's another smash hit. It tops on the Hot 100 chart at 30, so it's a certified top 40 hit, and skyrockets the record up in sales again. For what it's worth, I have to give Eve Six credit. While I find all of their music outside of these singles incredibly generic, they had something that gave them a sound people wanted, even if I find it to be dog shit. That's a lot more than we can say about many of these bands. True enough. So, I actually do do not think this record, like... There isn't objectivity and, like, criticism, right? Uh, That's dumb bullshit. But I find that on a technical level in terms of songwriting of uh, whatever of production production is very good and of you know being catchy i think this record is extremely well done i also hate it yeah this one gets a lot more anger out of me than many of them just because i find these unpleasant to hear (laughs) hey it succeeded in eliciting an emotion from you it was just the wrong one Again, that's still more than I can say about so many things that we cover. But here's the thing, it's not even heavy emotion, just like don't enjoy any of this thing. It's a reflexive Yeah, I can recognize that, yes, these hooks on this record are very earwormy, and like, they work for what they're trying to do, mostly, but also like I don't want to listen to 90s rock. So the cover to this album is a how-to-draw manga-style anime woman that's clearly done by an American, 
but she's making a cool face looking back at you. The correct cover for this album would be that Amerimanga style drawing a woman who's doing that look where you're, you've pulled your top lip up over your teeth a little and a kind of face. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a wise assessment of the situation. Anyhow, this is it. Shall we talk about the record track by track like we always do? We may as well, because I don't think there's anything else to go on with their past. I don't know. This is not even like funny us being angry at SR-71, which are douches. This is just like... (laughs) Yeah, they don't seem to be terrible people. They seem to be annoying people. Yeah. Not even... Yeah. I'm I'm coloring that slightly by their modern incarnation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I it's kind of hard for me to find anything about this time period because no one cared enough about Eve 6 to ask them deep questions. They just went, "Oh my god, those songs speak to me." and didn't give it any more depth than that. Yeah. There were not a lot of interviews with Eve 6. I mean, we should we should know that they are pretty much the, you know, when you talk about a corporately created band, that's them. Like, they were signed in high school and were developed by RCA. So, like, that's pretty much as corporate as it gets in terms of rock and roll, right? Again, they're literally named for identical clones. Mm-hmm. They're one of the clones created to make a successful band. Also, can I just say, do you know how happy it makes me that people are rediscovering Clone High, one of my favorite dead comedies? The younger generation is learning how to pirate and watching a dead series. That's great. Thank you, Internet. Anyway, let's talk about Rescue. This is the best track of the record. Really? The first one. I think this is the, Yeah, I think this is the one that I don't hate. This is the one that I like the most on the record, so I'm with you there. Like, there's very taste... The, the track opens with very tasteful, like, electronics. There are very 90s, very, like... Not even 90s, very early 2000s but also not overdone enough to be annoying. I think Don Gilmer's touch is very present here. This definitely does feel like it could have been in that wheelhouse, and finding out the producer made sense, but this track also does feel like a castrated orgy single. Sure. This track feels like a very better version of Promise to me. I don't know why Rescue wasn't the single. I think Rescue is a better song than Promise. I'll have to agree with that at least. Yeah, no. Uh, Again, I'm with you. Easily my best one. Uh, The Duran Duran-esque opening caw noises. Yep. Kinda enjoyed the lyrics. Like an endless foreign flick, my subtitles were sick. A few of those are a lot higher than I I expect out of them. I I I hate them. That's fair. When she and a friend came and met me in Atlanta, I professed my love in an animalistic manner. Uh Oh yeah, there's a lot of 
weird, almost slant rhymes in this song. But Yeah, the thing about this rhyming scheme is that this is the kind of rhyming scheme that I see a lot of, like, middle schoolers going for. I've, I've known many middle schoolers. It, it's a repeating thing, so I'm just kind of here like, oh, you know, that's cute when they're, like, I don't know, 12. I don't know if I like it now. Well, I mean, they were probably not even 20. They were probably barely 20 by this point, so they were very young. And this definitely feels like someone with not much songwriting skill trying to sound, like, deeper than they are, mostly on the lyrics. I don't think there's anything ever offensive on this record. It's just, like, not very good songwriting with very weird choices of words. It's, there's, there's a lot of clumsy attempts that theoretically could be cute, but aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's a perfect assessment there. Also, Fletch, you nailed it with the Duran Duran, like, comparison, the the big, like, papa that goes on through the whole song. That's very, that's what that was reminding me of. That's very Duran Duran. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's weird because you don't hear that on any other track. I think that's part of why this one stands out to me so much. Yeah, no, all of the electronics on this track are good. The, the, whatever the chorus is probably the most catchy chorus on the whole record i would love to know because again hybrid theory is this same year how much these two albums influenced each other with the producer seeing that he's got something in one camp and refining it with the other because especially with it not being all over the album there is one very Linkin Park song on this record. There is one very, like, proto-Linkin Park song on this record. I think I know the one you're talking about. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a vocoder on this song also. Yes. There's a what? Another vocoder. Uh, I think that, again, was part of the reason I just compared them to Orgy. The distorted voice effect, oh. where they, like, play their voice through an instrument. When you're singing through your guitar like this. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Again, I don't think there's any vocoder on the rest of this record, but there's a vocoder here and then I can. No, I didn't catch anything else like this. This is their first single. This is the weird Burger King kids club quitting their jobs routine. And this is incredibly bland pop punk clone my numbers. It's not even like it's pop punk adjacent. It's not even pop punk pop punk. It's just like, uh, again, like it, it's Paddle of Mad. This song is She Hates Me. This is very much that one was it the suicide machines where it's like oh we just have blink 182 on this album in the video for one reason this is that track no that uh, lit had uh, blink 182 on the record okay my brain was saying lit but i'm like no that's that's me mixing it up that's got to be wrong yeah this is basically that lit track that was just trying to capitalize on what's my age again yep yeah yeah tone wise yes musically again this feels more like 
90s post grunge but way more upbeat way more sunshiny generic happy rock song again reminds me of she hates me and that's not a good thing to remind me of and just like she hates me they do constantly censor the fuck in this track on the video another great line which i will i will continue to point out great lines from this band why do you have to keep the fan on if it's cold outside just want you to know i'm still a fan get it I love how they put the Garrett inside the lyrics just to make you know that that was a great show. I completely missed that because I was too busy trying to parse the double negatives in the chorus. Don't get me wrong, double negatives are cool and they can be used to great effect, but I promise not to try not to fuck with your mind. Uh, uh what? Yeah. Okay, if we're going to call out the lyrics, the next one is way worse. That's... Yeah, we'll get, we'll get there. I paid close attention to the lyrics on this one, because I was like, oh yeah, that's the thing I wanted to do on this podcast. I need to start doing that. And I picked a bad album to do that on. <laughs> or a great album to do that on. Yeah, that... Yeah. <sighs> I thought that this album was pretty okay the first time I listened to it in the background while I was working on my paper. And then when I went back through and listened to it while I was actually paying attention, I was like, oh, actually, this sucks. Yeah, definitely some good background music, because there's very little offensive on the album. True. It's just so cotton candy, wispy, thin with no substance. It's radio music. This is bubblegum pop, except it wants to have rock cred. Yeah. It's like earwormy choruses, and to be fair to them, they are not bad at building earwormy choruses. Like, I was humming Rescue while I was doing other shit today after listening to it. I wasn't humming Promise. I don't think Promise is a good song. I don't know why it's the single. I did force someone to listen to one of the tracks on this album, but it was in a very we-will-send-each-other-terrible-music style, so... Sunset Strip Bitch did get sent to a friend of mine. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I still haven't listened to Sunset Strip Bitch all the way through. Gee, I don't know why. <laughs> but before we get to that, the next song is on the roof again. I am not going to attempt a segue here. I refuse. This is the failed second single we mentioned. Didn't get a video. This is their version of a breakup song. Things were cool and collected until she found him erected with another. Deepest, deepest sigh. Yeah. Here's the funny part. He cheats on her and then he threatens to jump off the roof. That's the plot of this song. I was going to talk about that because speaking as somebody who struggled with things like that in his life, I can confidently say if you cheat on someone 
and then you threaten to throw yourself off a roof when they get mad, you're still the bad guy. That's called being abusive. Doesn't matter that you're threatening suicide, you're still being abusive there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Young Leroy is a piece of shit. Yep. <laughs> we actually get a name on this one. Yeah. Also, this is definitely in the running for worst lyric of the album. Your heinous highness broker hymen. Hey man, try to try to quit your crying. This guy really likes alliteration. <laughs> I like alliteration too, but holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think that hearing that lyric just spoken just like decreased my lifespan by a little bit. The crime is life. The sentence is Eve six. Pretty sure by the time we're done with this podcast, we'll have lost a good, like, five years of, like, lifespan. I mean... If I'm lucky, by the time we're done with this, I'm gonna have a Reed Richards streak of white hair. If I'm unlucky, I'm gonna look like Rogue on her deathbed. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah, the chorus of the song rules, though. That's not a sentence I expected. It what? <laughs> Ellie, do you need help? I mean, I mean not li- not lyrically, coughed, but like... Cough twice if they're, a- they're there with you. <laughs> it's very catchy. I don't think the song is very good. I think in the chorus it's really catchy. Gonna jump, gonna jump, gonna die this year is catchy? Melodically, not the lyrics. <laughs> I know it's 2020, but goddamn. <laughs> Ellie... We're just, con- we're your friends and we're concerned about your health here. Lo, <laughs> uh, no, we analyze the lyrics, they suck. Melodically, the chorus is fun. I'm not gonna listen to the song again because I feel like I'm, I don't want to listen to Eve Six for rapping in the bridge. That's not something I'm on the market for. But that chorus is well constructed. They know how to build the chorus. Come on. Hey. Let's give it hey. that. This is the track where I noticed, and you know, maybe by the time this comes up, it will have changed. This is the track where I noticed that they're touring and you can buy tickets to see them. How's that? In the middle of a pandemic. Are they actually touring? Yes. Well, that's dumb. We want to be the second Smash Mouth. A second Smash Mouth is going to hit the populace. Sighs so deeply. Oh, did you not know about the thing where Smash Mouth uh, is responsible for one of the biggest super spreading events in the United States? Kill your heroes, folks. I I do not know what the appropriate reaction to this is. So please keep talking while I figure that out. The correct response was simply a tweet that stated, you know, I expected better of Smash Mouth, the ultimate 2020 move. No, no, I... Let's talk about Sunset Strip Bitch while Ellie recovers. Oh, uh... do we have to? Okay, I want to hear your take on this before I drop my nuke, Adam. Okay. 
I had really hard time listening to this song because it just keeps on going, Sunset Strip Bitch, over and over again, and then with a little yeah yeah yeah, and that's like the entire song. It makes me sad. I'm sad now. So, here is the thing that crystallized this whole track for me. Especially when they're describing how the person in question, the titular Sunset Strip Bitch, is a dude who tries to be sensitive based on magazines at the checkout line and things like that and thinks everything's going to work out and has all the confidence with none of the skill. This is pretty fly for a white guy for incels. Oh, yes. You, you, yeah. I'm just looking at the dates and yes, you can actually like book a ticket from for December 16th. To go watch E6 in 2020. Oh my god. Okay, so. There's a Stone Temple Pilots song that is very similar to this, but better. It was made as a diss track at Courtney Love. It was called Hollywood Bitch. And I just realized that came out a year after this. Hmm. Interesting. That's wild. Anyway, uh, I will recommend you go listen to the Stone Temple Pilots Hollywood Bitch instead of this song. This is pretty bad. Yep, will do. This is harder than the other songs. Uh, not in a good way, in a we sound like, you know, post-grunge from the 90s way. Like, this is the same thing that Lit were. This is the perfect intersection between post-grunge and pop-punk in those years when this was bound to happen because the the rock mainstream rock was transitioning from one to another. Here's the thing. Lit was interesting because it was weird. Flawed and human. Yeah, Lit tried things. This doesn't. This is very, like... Square rock song from that era. and This is What If Stone Temple Pilots, but too much. There is a re- reason why I didn't decide to make Gora Sing Like Eddie Vedder a post-grunge retrospective. Huh. Because I, I don't like most of that music. Also, that would probably be a show that I had to take the lead on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like the song. I don't think it's a bad song. I think that if you're into, like, 90s post-grungy rock, you'll be into this. Like, the lyrics are garbage, but I think, like, musically, like, the production is good. Like, everything is, like, very polished, very... But it's not my thing. I don't like this. I don't vibe with it. Yeah, it's it's an aggressive track, but not in a good punk-inspired way. In a, I'm slumming it with a heroin needle in my arm that I forgot is there way. Yeah, that's yeah. not great. Yeah. Yeah. Except in this case, these guys would be taking methadone, because why not just skip a step? Again, if you're into Puddle of Mud, you're probably like this. Again, I am more into Puddle of Mud, and I hate this.
Speaking of a bad evening, here's to the night. This song sucks. Next yes. song. Um, this is basically good riddance by Green Day written for jocks. Yeah. When I hear a good version of this, again, listen to Solo by Parcupine Tree. It's basically the same chords, but it's better. And that's still like the worst song on that record. So that'll make you like ballads. They suck. If a ballad is big like in, in the charts, it sucks. Sorry, I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. Yeah, remember when I said that on our bonus episode about how I was confusing Never Been Kissed with Can't Hardly Wait? And I said Can't Hardly Wait is a more clever movie than it gives you credit for because it's basically shattering all that nostalgia about your teens. This is the opposite of that. Oof. This is the, yeah, let's let's all grow up together because high school's great. And it's all going to be great this way forever. And I feel emotions because we're adults now. And that's this track. Doubt. It's slow. It, it's like it has a weird like non-melody. It, it's boring. It's about teen emotions, but in the worst way possible. This sucks. In a shallow way. It's not even exploring anything. Everything is just talking about we felt alive, sometimes we cried, why can't we stay here a little longer? That's the whole thing. There is nothing about the good times, there is no detail, there is no this isn't a story song about the dumb shit we did in high school. No. There's This is a song sung by someone who peaked in high school. Yes. I mean, they got paid to go to high school. That's peak high school. I, I'm, I'm mostly saying that the character who's saying, I'm, I, I'm not, this is probably not true of the Eve 6 as people. I know. But the character who is singing the song picked in high school. The people who really in, are really into the song are people who picked in high school. For what it's worth, because this is one of those chances that I do not get often on this show, I think if you want the peak story song about looking back on events in a nostalgic-slash-mournful way. The best one of those songs ever is Thomas Dolby's I Love You Goodbye. Because the whole principle is he's just discussing stories about an unnamed friend who has likely just passed, and it's just talking about, remember that time we rented a car and did some stupid shit with it, and the cops pulled us over. We bribed our way out of it by buying tickets to the policeman's ball, and he told us, chuck this into a river. And then the final chorus is just, under the Cajun moon, I hear you coming. There is a spirit here that can't be broken. Some words are sad to say. They leave me tongue-tied. The hardest words I know are, I love you, goodbye. And it just repeats that until the end. Damn. It's beautiful. It's a tale. It has actual heartfelt emotions, but it doesn't dwell on it. It's great. This makes me so mad because even if you don't hit those heights, there's nothing here to grab onto if you are any older than 16. I mean, good thing that our target audience was 16-year-olds. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I guess there is that.
let's go to the most incorrectly named track on the album, Amphetamines. It's a generic rock song. Can I say that the thing that I was thinking of this entire time is this rhyme scheme really, really wants to be Killer Queen by Queen, but it's not. On Amphetamines or Here's to the Night? Amphetamines, just the rhyme scheme. Like, Amphetamine and Jelly Beans, she was pretty in her teens. Like, that's dynamite with a laser beam. Shit, you're right. And I was just like, I had to stop listening to this to go listen to the Queen song. The only lyric from this that stuck with me was, I smelled you on my shirt today, because it made me think of the butthole surfers. In Pepper, there's a line, I can taste you on my lips and smell you in my clothes, that a lot of people who hear that song for the first time just have a revulsion to whenever I play it for them. It's just like, what? No, that makes that makes sense. I get it. But I'll, that kind of thing always stands out to me because of that. So here's the thing. There's like, I, I theoretically understand that a lot of people like take comfort in the scent of uh, uh, loved ones on their clothes that they're borrowing. But when you actually describe it in words, it sounds very weird. It sounds very gross, yeah. Especially coming out of the mouth of Gibby Haynes, you're right. But I can taste you on my lips and smell you in my clothes is the good version of I smelled you on my shirt today. Yay! <laughs> good for you, buddy. This has very Blink undertones. The guitar work is very, like, Blink is popular this year. That could have been our second subtitle for the podcast. Blink was big that year. So yeah, the the guitar work is very blink. Uh, the song, uh, the bridge is also very blink. The song, sort of, not really. I just want to point out that we call them Blink and not Blink-182, which like fulfills their dream of having wanted to call their band that in the first place. <laughs> that is fair, that is fair. Otherwise, I got nothing about this. This is the exact point where the record all begins to sound identical to me. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. The The chorus of the song is really flat. That's the reason why this wasn't a single. Go listen to Queen instead. It's more fun. Their non-radio tracks tend to be something that I'm into, but I think just the sheer ubiquity of it growing up drove me mad. I never want to hear We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions again. I never want to hear Bohemian Rhapsody again in my life. I listen to Don't Stop Me Now on loop when I have a deadline to meet. That's a pretty good one. Also, part of this is colored by the fact that Queen continues touring to this day with the incredibly inappropriate Adam Lambert in the place of Freddie Mercury. Right, that's the thing. I've seen that show live because I won tickets. How do you keep <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. Fletch, I have never won like a lottery ticket typed thing in my life. How do you do this? You, you just have to be one of the only people who's old enough to call. <laughs> yeah. Like, how often are you A, listening to the radio, which is already kind of skewing me up 15 years compared to you two, B, have a phone on you and are not using it for work, and C, actually care enough about what they have a way to win tickets for that you're going to call. I won tickets to see a WWE house show in the 2000s because who else was calling the Big Ten pop song radio station for that? You know, that makes a lot of sense. 
Thinking my brain, I'm asking why There is pleasure when there's pain I'm here to pay for my mistakes In a humiliating manner If there is an next time I'll cover up I feel alone I feel shaky and uncertain A dying man shakes my hand And draws a curtain In a word, he saves my life And then I exit at the unadorned Let's talk about Enemy. Oh, this is the one where they almost rap. They do that a lot on this record. Yep. I can't remember what this one sounds like, so instead my brain is playing my own worst enemy, which probably is better. If you look at the lyrics for this, it sounds like the world's stupidest man trying to describe the Cenobites from Hellraiser to you. The autumn sun burning logic in my brain. I'm asking why there is pleasure when there's pain. I'm here to pay for mistakes in a humiliating manner. If there is a next time, I'll cover up. I feel alone, shaky and uncertain. A man shakes my hand and draws the curtain. This is the plot of Hellraiser. By the way, people love this record. We, if, if anyone, if like we get more than three listeners this time, we'll get hate mail for hating this thing. You can bring it all to me, at Bustrider on Twitter. I will fucking fight you. <laughs> that seems valid. Yeah, this is, this is bad. This is like another generic 90s rock song. Parallel park and pay the meter. If I die before I leave, tell her I won't leave her. What is this? Disappointment. Disappointed! Can we go back to the Mighty Mighty Bustos? I like them. Oh, no. I'm sorry, because after Enemy, we have to go to the dark side. We're nocturnal now. Yeah, this is the one punk song on this record. Kind of. Here's the three things I wrote listening to this. At least it's fast. Wait, no, don't slow down. Fuck. It's fast until it isn't. It's like, you know, really fine, okay, punk verse. And then they slow it down for the verse, which could be fine. There are songs that do this. They are fine because they do something like melodically interesting. They have some dissonance going on. This doesn't, this slows it down and then does nothing with that chorus and it just fizzles out. This made me think that as much as we shit-talked Blink, every single cat on Animal of the State is a better punk song than this. Yep. I think at some point we should revisit some of the first albums we did as a bonus in miniature and just go, Wow, we were hard on this. Now we've seen things. What came after was some real nightmares. <laughs> the verse has the da-da-da-da-da-da, that's very blink, and fine, the verse is fine, and then the chorus just does nothing. Like, slows down, so it doesn't, it doesn't even keep the speed, and then does nothing with that, you know, that 
Which, uh... Go, Kings. Give us nothing. I think we said earlier that Sunset Strip Bitch was like if you tried to polish up a lit track to a mirror sheen. This has very similar vibes because the chorus on this, in the hands of a band who was remotely horny or had any rough edges, would be talking about, yeah, we're we're sad, but I got blown. And in this is just like, I held my girlfriend in the dark, all the lights went out slowly. That's the track. Here's the here's the whole chorus, just so people at home can know. Your sad eyes taken on me, words are unnecessary, grip the back of your neck and slowly, move till it all becomes alright. That could be weird talk about gimme head, but no, it's literally just we're both sitting in bed miserable, unable to sleep, and that's the whole track. I mean that is a twenty twenty mood to be fair, but you know. Eh, I will at least change the bulb if something dies in the room. Because this is literally all the lights keep going out around them, but they're too lazy to move. I mean... There's candles! There's candles at the end of this. Candles are romantic, yo. Yeah, but if you have a nightlight and the bathroom light and your phone light and also there's candles, what the fuck were you doing in bed? I would agree that leaving candles lit while you're in bed and trying to sleep is dumb because then you have a burned down house. If you're lucky. If you're unlucky, you spill wax on yourself. I'm trying to come up with a lit joke from leaving candles lit, but I couldn't, so... Yeah. There's no surprise to me, I am my own worst enemy. Cause I let candles leave my around and kick wax onto me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. It's really hard to do the lit voice right now because I have to get a little more nasally. Please tell me why I let the candles lit last night. Yeah, it's it's hard to stretch that beyond two lines. Anyway, this song is a big ol' nothing. You're the one stepping on the back of my shoes You're the one using me as a muse You're the one with the jetpack strapped to your back ready to go You want to know what sounds way more interesting than it should be by the title? Jetpack. Oh boy. I hit this. Clearly it's going to be about jetpacking, right? Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think anything interesting would come out of, why do you have a song named Jetpack? It doesn't. It's about, my girlfriend is just using me. That's it. The production is good. There's some more like tasteful electronics and the sound is very crisp. You can hear all of the instruments in, in the song. You can hear what the singer is saying. The volumes are fine. I'm gonna remake this song to be about a short person that likes to be the big spoon. <laughs> I don't get it. That's called jetpacking. Huh. It makes sense. It does. Now I get mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, no, there's really very little interesting about this because this is... Lyrically, this is an incredibly poor version of N.E.R.D.'s Yeah You, which is just a song calling out the 
irritating person who keeps trying to get back into your life and doesn't realize how annoying they are to be around. Huh. Yep. It, it's pretty good because like they, there's an actual breakdown in it and it's like, yeah, you know, all the reasons are wrong. You're going to and then you're just going to stop the song and hit pause and you hear a dial tone and uh, Pharrell just sighs. It's like, you just can't help yourself. <laughs> it It's very much the experience of dealing with someone clingy who is the worst person to be around, but you feel so sorry and can't get through to them that I need you to go away. I knew that dude in high school. I think everyone knew one of those dudes at some point growing up. I probably was that dude. Well, you are now, I can say, as your friend. Yeah. It, we're not in high school anymore. Oh, we're not doing the... Um... Never been kissed thing where we all go back to high school. I would have to be the weird football coach. This does remind me of a note I missed elsewhere in here, which is watching their videos. Their singer is what I would look like if I coached the NFL. So (laughs) you've seen me. That's why I found it really funny. (laughs) I think that if I'm thinking like the picture that I think I saw of the lead singer, Looked kind of like if uh, uh, Christopher Eccleston of uh, the renewed Doctor Who just, like, didn't look very nice. A scowling ginger Christopher Eccleston is also a good description. Anyhow, uh, as we continue on, there are so many better things you could be listening to than this record. Please don't. Let's talk about Nightmare. We're already there. Ho ho. Yep, this is indeed a nightmare. This song wants to be spooky and gothic. It, I don't. Does it? Just looking at the word choices blemishing, mirror, fright, uh, uh. Okay, there's a line in this where it's like the titles on this back half sound like they should be very goth, but this is not even as hard as 311. No, this is like very sunshiny. Like, musically. Nothing screams, I am a narc, I am Todd Flanders, more than these two lines. Dreamed that I was underneath a naked woman, saying something that I can't repeat. It ends with, like, very trying to be hard rock, like, at the end with the guitar, like, guitars go out there and the drum just keeps hitting the snare, which is like a classic, you know, like, late 90s rock thing. And I just don't care. (laughs) It's sad. It's just like, you're all trying so hard. And it's just not clicking for me. I don't think we asked this earlier. How do you feel about Linkin Park, Ellie? Especially Hybrid Theory era. I mentioned this. I think I don't like Linkin Park. I think everyone involved in this record is really talented. I actually like some of uh, Mike Shinoda is the rapper. Some of his, like, pure rap stuff that he did, like, as a side project. I think he did some good stuff. Just, it's not my thing, but I I get the value in it. What I'm getting is that you think that individually all of the ingredients could have been good, but when you make a casserole out of it, it's kind of icky. It's not even 
kind of icky. It's just not my thing. But you would not call that terrible the way you describe this track. Oh, no, 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 no. Cool. That's what I was trying to reach for. Uh, Yeah, this this definitely feels and again, bringing back to the same producer, I wonder how much of the two projects he was working on at the same time crossed over into some of these weird things. Do you think Eve Six was a band without identity that he was trying to get anything out of like Clay? Or do you think Linkin Park had more of a sound that was able to break out of overproduction? I think Eve Six has very much an identity. It's a shitty identity, but it has an identity. And the production work sort of tries to enhance that. But, you know, there's so much that you can do. Also, like, again, like, I am harsh on this record, but I get it. Like, if you like this sound, this is a perfectly good record in that sound. I believe that Barring us somehow finding out that Prussian Blue has been classified as pop punk, our stance on this show is it's okay to like a record? Yeah. yeah. But I don't think any of us like this record. Nah, just not our jam, I don't think. I actually can recognize the craft in this record. Again, I think a lot of, like, I mentioned um, Gotta Jump, Gotta Jump, Gotta Jump this year or whatever. That song has a really good chorus. I think the opening track has a really good chorus. I think this is a bunch of people who are clearly very skilled at making radio choruses. And, are, you know, there's very polished, well-produced rock on this record. It's just not something that I'd ever listened to on my own time. It's just not something that I can really vibe with. Uh, there are some generally bad songs. I think Nightmare is very... Very generic. There are a couple of really generic songs. I don't think, I don't think this record is bad as in Esther Seventy One bad. I think Esther Seventy One is genuinely like a musical garbage pile. This is just music from an era that I don't like. Doesn't necessarily make it like you know. If you like that, this is good. If you if you're like me and you don't really like that, this is that. Linking Park. Bang is the next song. Bang is the point where I have to turn over the toothpaste box I wrote all our notes on on this week to get to the backside for the last two tracks. Side B. Yep, this is my side B for Bang. This is Proto Linkin Park. Did you think you were going to hear a Daria name drop in 2000? Who's that? What's that? Oh, it's a good show. It's a really good cartoon show. Okay. There was an MTV series called Daria that was technically a spinoff of Beavis and Butthead about a depressed goth who went to the same high school as them. Hmm. And it was written by a different woman than Mike Judge and has a very Gen X cynicism to it with the people around her all clearly liking her, but she's a little too in her own head to really realize it. Huh. 
That's interesting, at least. Probably the ultimate episode that will sum up whether or not you will be the kind of person who vibes with Daria is that the school quarterback who was a jerk to her all the time, real asshole, gets crushed when he kicks a game-winning play on the field goal post, and the goal post falls over and crushes him, and everyone else is just, like, so sad about this, and she's like, no, I, I don't feel bad. He was an asshole. And just dealing with, am I supposed to feel grief? Am I wrong here? That whole thing. Hmm. And it's done in a very black comedy vibe, so pretty good. All right. Yeah. Good Good to know. Last time I watched a diary episode was about five years ago, and it sort of held up then. I don't know if it holds up today. Well, I'm not sure if black comedy holds up in 2020. I think there's a little bit of you might get the occasional... Uh, I know some of the football players can be very, ooh, gay, but otherwise, it's it's pretty okay. It's going to be of the era in that way. Anyhow, talking about bad name drops, this song has the lyrics, Be My Talma and Luis, which doesn't make sense. Specifically, you should think Thelma, not Daria. That's real. Again, this is a proto Linkin Park song. It has, like, dark, moody guitar and... And, like, the singer is quasi-rapping, except that you recognize that this is not Linkin Park by the fact that the quasi-rapping feels more like the bare-naked ladies than anything that's, like, actually, like, dark and it doesn't really fit with the mood that the instrumentation is going on. This is a weird song. If you're gonna listen to a song from this record, listen to this one. It's not good, but it's just like, oh god, this is weird. This feels like they're trying to be Chris Isaac. Okay. This feels like Wicked Game with Brain Damage. Especially when you get to the final thing they repeat over and over at the end of the song, which I'm going to read this one aloud. This is another, holy crap, what are these lyrics? Big bang, little girl, run away with me and be my Thelma and Louise. Brush that sand off. Ask your questions later. Love me long time. Yes, that's, yeah. Over and over and over. That's how this track closes. Yeah, I'm not, uh, not a fan. There's a lot to unpack in every single sentence of that. Not a fan, not a fan. Uh, I, I am engrossed in how a lot of popular music keeps referencing Full Metal Jacket without, like, realizing, or without caring that Love Me Long Time was a line said by a prostitute who was trying to entice customers and not anything in any kind of way romantic at all. And at least when you had something like Two Live Crew sample it, it's intensely meant to be, no, this is exploitative and we're just leaning all in. Me So Horny is not a track that's going, yes, this is about feminism and good wit. It's like, man, I want to get off. Fletch, there are more references to Love Me Long Time that I can count on a hand in popular music that oh, I understand. completely unironically try to pass it as a like love song thing, and I am baffled. I am baffled by how culture works its gear, dividing any expression of its meaning. Here's a tip for any songwriters out there listening to our show. And if so, thank you. Uh, the correct way to do this 
without all that baggage is I'll love you forever. <laughs> That's it. Same scansion and everything. Gasp. Mariah Carey had had it in a song. Jeff. Okay, but I can't hear Mariah Carey without thinking of all I want for Christmas is 37 dicks, so. <laughs> That's it. That's all I, I ever think of when I think Mariah Carey. That to be the end of that sentence. It's one of my favorite mashups ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a GABA track mat that samples Kevin Smith mashed up with All I Want for Christmas. It got me through so many holiday shifts. <laughs> okay. That's it. I'm, you're going to have to finish the show without me, man down. We only have one track left. You just have to crawl over the finish line. All right. I'll hang in, I guess. Let's talk about the finale to this album, Girl Eyes. I don't remember this one. I have one one note that says that this is Promise again, but it's less catchy. Also probably hornier, but only a little. Yeah, this is the horniest track on the album. Okay. Is that good? Is that bad? It's kind of a weird progression given how sexless the rest of it has been. But this also does seem to be the most bad boy track on here. Vodka reening through the hotel door. Guilty as a choice and a chore. It's good to be bad if it's better than bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one... I get a feeling and she starts to grin. Adjusted my pants as my face turns red. Yeah. A girl looked at me and, oh shit, we're gonna go find a motel. Yep. That's the song. So... One thing is that the uh, 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 line here, uh, slur to a favorite rhyme, I forgot to bring this up earlier, but in the first song in particular, uh, 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 Rescue, the way that they kind of like smashed some of the words together so that way they could get to the end of the line to make that rhyme, kind of this line made me think of that. This track is such a strange close because it does not fit with anything else this band does. It's... They put the pop into a lot of their not-quite-punk. This one is just trying to get all weird grimy, but also we're still young. You know, we're teenagers. Mm. I wish that they had stopped with the last track, so that way the album could go out with a bang. But it didn't, so I can't make that joke. Yeah, it it does sort of make you wonder why you don't switch those just for that. Mm-hmm. Poor decisions, poor decisions. But with that... I'm throwing the cardboard box of notes away, and we are done with this album. If we had a crowdfunding platform, we could send that cardboard box of uh, toothpaste to someone as a perk to give us money. I feel like no one wants my bad handwriting scrolling down. Eve 6, crazy town on quaaludes, though. I don't know, internet people are weird sometimes. Someone might want that. All right. I'll put this in a drawer and we'll see. 
I will start giving my weird occasional notes out as a reward to fit listeners. Look, look, we need to build those parasocial relationships in some ways. Okay, so that was the record. I expressed what I thought of it. The production is excellent. The songwriting is mediocre. Sometimes hilarious. There's lots of funny lines in this. You know, I don't want to be too harsh to it. It's clearly like they were very young. They- I just had a thought, if I can add something real quick. A lot of the lines in this, uh, uh, these tracks make me think of like, they could have done what Donut Dan was trying to do in being ridiculous and funny. I think they were trying to be very serious on this record, I'll be honest. I know, which is why it's sad. I get a real Todd Flanders energy off of it because of that. If they wanted to make some comedy tracks, I'd probably love them. Ow, my freaking ears! Not Rod Flanders, just Todd? Just Todd. Has to be Todd. Okay, okay. And yeah, I think the hooks are good. I I get why people like this record. Like this is it's fine radio rock. The hooks are very earwormy. I don't I I think it's too 90s for me to like like. I think it sounds too much like a lot of that poppy post grunge of the late 90s. I think this sounds like a weird mix between Paddle of Mud and the Bare Naked Ladies, which are not post-grunge, but some of the four rapping on this record does remind me of that. And, uh, very much not my thing. Very much not why I started this podcast for, and we have two more records by these guys. I looked up because I saw that we will be seeing them again in three years of chronological time. Their next album will be It's All in Your Head in 2003, which will be recorded after a lot of touring that they do, uh, another year and change of such. But the thing that has me excited is, A, I don't know any of these singles, so that means I will come to them without any, oh my god, I hate this. And B, this is considered an experimental album by fans which may explain the lackluster sales that led to the band's release from their contract. The second single highlighted a darker side of Eve 6. That's my favorite Pink Floyd album, Dark Side of the Eve 6. You don't want to hear that cover of Eclipse. That Dune trailer is real different when Eve 6 comes to town. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm curious to see what these dudes do that is considered experimental, because this is the polar opposite of experimental. This is sunshiny radio pop rock. Yeah, it's very hard to fault this objectively. Other than the lyrics. We are going to fault the shit out of the lyrics. I will take that stance. But it is produced well. There is some talent on here in the playing. Nothing sounds like, oh god, that's off key, or oh, why would you make that sound? Nothing, nothing is... As bad as I think the musically worst record we've listened on this podcast is Now You See Inside by SR71. Agreed. 
Like, this is not ne- not nearly on those levels of just, like, mediocrity. Like, the, the, there is stuff in here. It's just not for me. I don't like it. I don't know why. I don't know why this is tagged pop punk on Rate Your Music. Fuck you, Rate Your Music. If I had known this sort of thing was going to happen with the tagging, I would have just accidentally seeded way more interesting stuff in there to screw with our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2005 there was the classic pop punk hit uh i don't know i'm gonna look up 2005 albums and find something good oh yeah x and y by coldplay or gorillas demon days why not let's just go with how that. did this experimental witch house album get tagged as pop punk how weird remember sleater kenny's pop punk debut by the way, I would I would like to note a uh, rush of blood to the head superior to X and Y. Oh yeah, I actually like that album quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, also Mariah Carey is part of 2005. So if we want the emancipation of Mimi, they remind me of tapioca pudding. Okay, go on. <laughs> like some people really like tapioca pudding. But if you don't like tapioca pudding, you're just kind of like, this is decidedly not great. Why would you give it to me? Yes. We have two more records with the students, and this means that the actual, I don't know if I'd call it interesting, but the singer currently is doing a weird comedy persona and is feuding on Twitter with himself. See, I told you they'd be good at comedy. Yeah, but we'll get to there in like two records because there's two more of the stuff to go for about. So does this mean that I need to make a meme where uh, the Eve 6 band logo gets shot by the weird ginger f- f- singer and then goes, what happened to my band? Yeah. With the Eric Andre meme? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they are still touring technically. Technically, Eve Sticks has a career. Technically, they have 18,000 followers on Twitter. There's a lot of technically about modern Eve 6, and I can't wait to get there. (laughs) Uh, It's just the episode. I don't even know anymore. So let's get us all out of here. Gotta get out of this episode. Gotta get this outro. Gotta jump, gotta jump, gotta get out of this town. Ah. It's stuck in my head. Again, melodically, that chorus is fucking earwormy. Again, very polished record in the weirdest ways. How will you fight without a weapon? I know now I don't need the keyblade. I've got a better weapon. My heart. Alright, I remember what I need to do. I've been extremely negative about this record, so I need to recommend something good. Okay, let me... give me a minute. Well, I will give you something in the meantime. I have been introduced to and enjoying 
The latest album from Proto Martyr, Ultimate Success Today, came out earlier in this year, and if you want a very good summary of where they fall, I would recommend looking up their video for Processed by the Boys. Oh yeah, Proto Martyr are great. Yeah, turns out, uh, especially in the latter half of this year, they were a little ahead of the curve in ways that I wish they hadn't seen coming. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything that I really love, but listen to you about your imaginary friend Biolong. It's a Midwest Timo record that samples Kingdom Hearts. It's not great, but it's good. Do love me some Kingdom All right. Hearts. As someone who briefly had a podcast about it, you've got my attention. Yeah, we we come to the point where like all the people who are doing like angry sad boy music with like punk emo stuff are like people from our generation. So well from from my from your generation. From my yes. generation, it's not from Adam nor from yours. So. <laughs> We're an intergenerational podcast. <laughs> Yeehaw. I'm grandpa. <laughs> Raise me a keyblade, Sorum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you get a lot of yeah, you get a lot of weird weird references nowadays in emo. The little single from Hot Mulligan, which is which is named, you know, Asterisk Equips Sunglasses Asterisk. God. Like you just get a lot of weird reference lately in emo. And like I'm there for it. Like you want to reference Kingdom Hearts? That's Good stuff. I mean, this this album was very successful, but I'll recommend it anyway. You'll be fine by Hot Mulligan. A completely good uh, Midwest team, I I mean, I don't think we have to just recommend something unknown. We can also just go, hey, I've enjoyed an album. Yeah, that is fair, but it's less useful if, like, I'm recommending, you should listen to the Where Do We Go When We Sleep or whatever for, by Billie Eilish. It's just like, yeah, ev- everyone knows that record is great. Have Pitchfork's album of the month. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like there's some sort of middle ground between Pitchfork's album of the month and uh, something that nobody's heard of but Ellie. I feel like we could find that middle ground and stand on it. I think we need a keyblade for that. Like, that's the only way you can stand on middle ground. Otherwise, you fall through it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We know how much Ellie hates Cloud. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not a big fan of the Final Fantasy VII. I hear the new one's good. Yeah. I I appreciate it a lot more now that like the discourse around it is less OMG, this is the best video game ever, and more like just queer people memeing on it. That's just like I think Final Fantasy VII has been irreparably damaged but for me by like a youth past in internet forums where everyone stayed where everyone was convinced it was the best video game story ever. And just like, eh, it's not even the best, like, it's not even the more interesting Final Fantasy story. 
But now we live in 2020, where it is just where battle lesbians come from. Yeah, no, now it's just like people being very horny about it, which like, sure, go for it. You know, just a weird, possibly trans polycule, depending on what your reading is. Yeah. Anyhow, shall we finish this? I think. Yes. I I think we're there. I, I think we're there. That's true. I don't think we can get out of this with any dignity at this point. Nope. <laughs> Cannot get out of this podcast. Same song, different chorus. This was the episode. GetOutOfThisTown.com. That is our website. GetOutOfThisTownPodcast at gmail.com. That is our email. Email us. At G-G-O-O-T-T Podcast. That is our Twitter. Say hi. We're also on iTunes and Spotify on Google Play everywhere. Rate and review us because that helps. Next up is a weird one. Zebrahead's Playmate of the Year. Oh yeah, that's pop punk. Hopefully. We can only pray. In fact, I can guarantee our next so many albums are all pop punk. We've got a real good streak coming. Yeah, look, Zebrahead, AFI, Good Charlotte, Newfound Glory. Only half of them will probably be garbage. I'm not looking forward to that AFI, I can tell you that. Oh, I'm not looking forward to Good Charlotte. AFI, I heard good thing about them. I think that's the one that my baby sister played to death. And then it's going to come crashing to a halt, because you know who I see standing right between us and that next Blink album? Phoenix TX. (laughs) (laughs) This is literally one of our upcoming week schedules. Some 41s, all killer, no filler. Phoenix TX's Lechuza. Blink 182's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. But in the meantime... Yeah, so this is it. Uh, oh, do you have to plug anything, Fletch? Uh, just my usual. You can find me at hellscaper.com. Do you want to plug anything, Adam? Nope. And you can find me at ACC of the Moon. We do not have a Patreon, but if you want to support us, we're planning on making our own 90s rock band disguised as a pop-punk band called Adam 3... Please support our new album, Spooky Horoscopes. Good night, everyone. See ya. Bye. Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight like a pop pocket and get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. Let's terrify.